This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, John McRoy here. Welcome to AutoLine This Week. Today's topic is all going to be about electric cars and their impact on jobs. As you all know, this auto industry is going ahead first into electrification, but electric cars use far fewer parts and components than do internal combustion engine cars, and that's going to have a big impact on jobs, and that's why my special guest today is Jeff Daco. He is the Director of Research at the United Auto Workers Union. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's a pleasure to be with you. And also joining us today are Keith Naughton from Bloomberg and Paul Eisenstein from the DetroitBureau.com. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Great to be with you, John. Thanks for having us on. So, Jeff, let's get into it. Uh, last year, the UAW developed this white paper doing a, a very complete analysis of what this impact may be. Bring us up to speed or bring the viewers up to speed, certainly, on what are your concerns as a union with electric cars? Sure. Yeah. And, and again, thank you for having me today. You know, th there's sure a, a lot going on uh, when it comes to EVs. You know, every it seems like every day, if not uh, multiple times every day, we get a new announcement about a big investment uh, uh, going into a startup, uh, a new global partnership, a new strategic alliance, uh, joint venture. And so, you know, things are moving really fast, like you said, uh, a lot of momentum. But where they're not moving fast yet, of course, is actual sales and market share. You know, primarily because to date there's not EV choices in the types of vehicles that U.S. consumers want to buy. Uh, also, uh, you know, probably the biggest reason is that it's just so much more expensive to to put together a, an EV versus a, a, a ICE vehicle so far. So here at the UAW, what we're trying to do, our leadership under President Gamble, our international executive board, is really trying to take a balanced, measured approach when it comes to all this stuff. You know, on one hand, like I said, you know, the market share is still pretty small. You know, I think 2% overall combined for EVs and, and plug-in hybrids. And, and, and really, if you're honest about it, you look at the numbers, most of that's Tesla. And from a ge ge geography standpoint, most of it's in California. But on the flip side, on the other hand, you know, we also recognize the, the huge investment, uh, the billions and billions of dollars that are going into this uh, market, into EV development, whether it's direct investment by the automakers, uh, these huge investments by investors in the startups, uh, these reverse mergers and SPACs. And then these enormous investments of public money around the world, whether it's in China uh, or in the EU, um, so we're trying to get our arms around all of it. And like you said, we're, we're focusing on, you know, really we're focusing on three things. We're focusing on identifying all the risks associated uh, with this EV uh, evolution. Uh, we're trying to come up with strategies to uh, combat and, and, and mitigate those risks. And then thirdly, we're, we're trying to be in the conversation everywhere that we can. Uh, if you, you know, whether it's in D.C. Uh, on the policy side or direct engagement with these companies, you know, we recognize that these policy decisions being made right now uh, and these investments being made right now is what's going to dictate the, the manufacturing, automotive manufacturing footprint for a long time to come. I'm wondering, uh, Jeff, if uh, you could tell for us um, how many fewer hours it takes to build an electric vehicle 
versus an internal combustion engine vehicle and what that'll mean for the UAW? Yeah, yeah, sure, uh, Keith. You know, that's a that's a great question. And there's a lot out there uh, being talked about in, in that regard. And that's a huge risk that we see. Uh, you know, it's not just us that is talking about it. Uh, the, the best estimates, I guess, we would refer to is what some of the bigger automakers are talking about. You know, you have Ford and Volkswagen really throwing out their uh, 30% less hours. So that's kind of the, the benchmark that we've been talking about. You know, but there's uh, there's a lot of other risks that um, we've been focusing on, whether it be, you know, displaced workers, um, whether or not we're successful in keeping a lot of the supply chain here. Uh, and then if we are successful, uh, what kind of jobs are going to be created? You know, green jobs aren't always necessarily uh, good jobs unless they're made that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's interesting, Jeff. Uh, just before we began taping this segment, I was plugged into a news conference held by Dane Parker, who is the environmental chief over at General Motors. And that question came up about employment, what's going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. Dane was saying that his goal, the GM's goal, is to try to not have any job disruption. Now, maybe mm -hmm. maybe pie in the sky. It may also uh, be based on uh, a goal of picking up market share. We didn't have the chance to follow up on that question. Uh, but Certainly right now, they're saying they'd like to keep the jobs that they have. Uh, we also saw uh, during the week of this taping, uh, the president, the new president, announce plans to heavily invest in electrification. What, 645,000 U.S.-owned uh, vehicles that he wants to go all electric. And he said during his uh, news conference before signing the executive orders, that he wants to see a million jobs created in the production of electric vehicles. Now, some of that may come by moving production back to the United States. It seems to be part of his goal. But can you talk about this? Because either, either these folks are being mm, less than straightforward about the job opportunities, or they're seeing some way that EVs can actually create rather than eliminate jobs. Yeah, no, it's it's actually a great question. And I don't know if there's a hard answer for that yet. Um, you know, if we play this out a little bit, it, we we currently have UAW members, may, tens of thousands of UAW members making traditional engines, uh, transmissions, uh, fuel systems, exhaust systems uh, all over the country. And all of that stuff goes away, right? And, you know, we're not saying it's going to go away overnight, but over time, you know, you could see a, a decrease in investment and a real impact on those workers. If we're optimistic, then, you know, maybe that you take an opt optimistic view. A lot of those jobs go uh, into hopefully making EV components. But of course, like we've talked about, there's just it's not apples to apples. There's less of them. Uh, and then, you know, uh, to be even less optimistic here, uh, you know, the way things are looking, uh, you can make a strong argument that a lot of those jobs just aren't even going to be here. You know, you look at the, the the perfect example is the biggest piece of this whole puzzle, the lithium ion battery. And, uh, you know, the, the investments that China have been, has been making for the last several years, uh, there's a lot of very reputable studies that suggest that by the end of the decade, more than two thirds of the production of lithium ion batteries is going to be in China. Um, and so that's that's a real risk. Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the short answer is it's a it's a very tough question. 
um, on the the policy side, you know, that's a that's a big announcement that President Biden made this week. They've talked about it for a while, but to come out and talk about six hundred thousand uh, plus uh, vehicles being made, you know, that could have a real tangible impact on the market. You know, the more vehicles you see on the road, uh, the more demand. And so, um, you know, we're working hard uh, and we can go into it further, but we're working hard on, you know, the types of policies that um, are being put in place. They all need to have some key components. One, you know, they need to uh, really try to spur domestic uh, development and production. Two, uh, they need to have a high content of domestic uh, components. And three, they need to create good, solid middle-class jobs. Can can I follow up real quickly? the other thing that's happening in the automobile at the same time, there's a, con- a whole series of concurrent changes in the way cars are designed, engineered, manufactured, sold. And uh, talk a little bit about that, because there does seem to be growth in the auto industry in, in the area of software and related technologies. Vehicles are becoming rolling computers. So uh, yeah. you guys have traditionally been, you know, the, the, the uh, metal bending business mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not where the job potential job growth may be. So talk about the uh, challenges you face and, and what your aspirations are to start going into the growth areas of the auto business. Yeah, sure. No, that's a great question. And, you know, we do have uh, uh, quite a few uh, engineers who are represented in particular at FCA and now Stellantis. Um, but, you know, training has to be a huge part of this and, and upscaling, you know, the types of um, skills that these workers, uh, you know, who potentially could get displaced uh, is going to be huge. You know, you hear so much, um, you know, you read so much about, there's a lot, a big effort going into making sure that engineers and, and higher level software programming is taught uh, as a curriculum in, in universities. Uh, but we can't leave out the, the folks who are actually on the line and understand these machines, understand the processes. So, you know, we're all about, um, you know, funding for new apprenticeship programs, new vocational training, because, you know, as you know, when when these plants are retooled, for example, that's an opportunity for a lot of new technology to be put in. And, um, you know, we feel that, you know, a lot of our um, members, a lot of our uh, skilled trades are are very capable and, and know the the process so well that they can easily be trained to, to do some of that uh, software programming, et cetera, in these factories of the future. Uh, some specific uh, uh, parts and components in cars, though. You know, the, the typical ICE vehicle has over 110 forgings. An EV has 10. You know, mm-hmm. there are pistons and piston rings and bearings and spark plugs and fuel injectors and all kinds of things that EVs don't need at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you've talked about training. You've touched on some other things, uh, local content and the like. If the Biden administration called you and said, hey, we want to help create UAW jobs as we move to electrification, what would you tell them? Yeah, you know, the first thing, you know, when it comes to the Biden administration is, uh, and I think, you know, we touched on it, when they make these announcements, you know, they're saying they want to create good paying and union jobs. And so that's something we can agree with. They're, They're certainly embracing this new technology as a way to get there. Uh, but, you know, we're going to keep uh, talking about these risks. And the good news is uh, the administration has also made clear that we're going to have a seat at the table. 
uh, to do that. And so what we would suggest is on any one of these programs that are out there, whether it's consumer incentives, you know, tax uh, rebate, you know, the, the, the tax rebates, the um, cash for clunker type programs, or on the manufacturing side, these loans, uh, loan programs that are already in place that could be improved and re-upped or, or retooling grants. We, our suggestions on every front would say, let's attach some strong language that requires domestic uh, production, requires a high level of domestic content, and and also that there's, require, you know, pure requirements on creating solid middle-class jobs. So that's, I think that's where we're working towards uh, in that regard. We're also, you know, it's not just a conversation in DC, it's a conversation with all these automakers and our leadership is constantly, you know, focusing on um, these issues and, and pushing to get more and more work in UAW facilities. As you know, you know, bargaining isn't these days just about wages and benefits and, and um, you know, work rules. It's also about getting commitments on investment. And, you know, just as an example, in, in 2019 negotiations, I think it was over $20 billion uh, was committed to UAW facilities, over 25,000 new or retained jobs. And, you know, just to give a couple examples here in Michigan, there's a lot of examples across the country, but, you know, you have GM putting over $2 billion into Detroit Hamtramck to make it fully electric. You know, you have Ford with the EF-150 in Dearborn. Uh, and of course, FCA, or I got to get the, now Stellantis, uh, you know, making big investments in Detroit to make Jeep products, all of which have uh, plug-in hybrid variants. So that's the other side of the coin that, you know, our leadership has been focusing on kind of two fronts, if you will. So Jeff, the industry's in the grips of this um, shortage of semiconductor chips at the moment that's closing factories around the world. Uh, we have a story in Business Week that shows that more than half the world's chips are, are made by one Taiwanese manufacturer. Um, so the U.S. auto industry is completely beholden to that Taiwanese manufacturer to keep their factories going. What does that say about the vulnerability of the industry as the cars become more uh, chip oriented and less mechanically oriented. And that's now 40% of the value of the car. Where can the UAW get in on that? Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect example of what John was talking about. That could be a, a strategic example of uh, bringing back, you know, reshoring some of that type of technology type jobs. I mean, geez, look, you know, with all the news that you're you're talking about with the shortages would be uh, pretty good right now if we had a, um, a, you know, a domestic supply of automotive grade chips, especially as this technology evolves. I, I've seen the same thing, you know, uh, just a, the, the use of those types of chips is just going north. So we would advocate for, you know, on the trade side to, to really incentivize, um, you know, the domestic production of those uh, types of um, key strategic uh, materials. In addition to, uh, you know, we talked about the batteries, the electric motors. Uh, on the AV side, you have LIDAR uh, technology. So uh, we're a big advocate for creating the conditions to uh, build uh, critical mass here in the U.S., um, because, frankly, that's what they're doing uh, in other regions around the world. Jeff, so, let's talk a little bit about uh, all the EV startups that are coming into the market. 
Uh, with one exception, none of them are interested in union representation. Lordstown Motors is the only one that has publicly said, we welcome the union with open arms. Who knows if these startups are going to survive? I mean, Tesla has sort of blazed away. We don't know about the others, but as you know, I learned this a long time ago in my career, every single vehicle that gets built gets sold. They don't disassemble them at the end of the year and send the parts back to the, to the suppliers. So as these new entrants come in, non-union, what's the UAW's view on the impact of the startups? Sure. Yeah, no, we, you know, we don't comment publicly about organizing strategy. But with that being said, we're very excited about, you know, a new administration that, you know, values uh, workers' rights and freedom of association. Uh, with that said, with these startups, boy, you know, it's hard to keep track of all of them. There's so many uh, hmm. uh, popping up all the time. Um, you know, I think you mentioned before uh, that, you know, it's kind of like the early 20th century that, uh, you know, there's all these automakers, small automakers, and it's a, a fight for survival to see which ones make it this year. Well, I guess a big difference, though, is in this case, some of these uh, uh, startups are so well capitalized with billions of dollars backing them before they actually sell a lot of vehicles or sell any vehicles. Uh, so that's a key difference. But this year is going to be critical. Some of the larger, what more well-known startups are going to actually start producing vehicles this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we're going to see which ones uh, over time uh, kind of catch some of that Tesla magic, if you will, uh, and, and which ones don't make it. And as they start production and become employers, we're going to be watching very closely uh, and talking to, to folks across the country and watching uh, whether or not, um, you know, the, the, the startups are going to go the route of emulating, you know, kind of tech company, um, more precarious gig economy type jobs um, that aren't so great. Or are they going to um, go more with the industry norms and create solid middle class jobs for in the communities where they're trying to produce? So, you know, we're going to be watching, watching closely, but, uh, you know, I definitely see your point on, uh, uh, you know, a lot of new companies coming into play here. So, so Jeff, if I may, uh, you guys have obviously done a lot of number forecasting and crunching. Uh, if, if you look at your best and worst case scenarios, uh, compared to, well, I'd like to get the number from you today, what, what your count of auto jobs are, at least the UAW jobs are today. What do you think is a worst case scenario uh, as the industry makes the, the transition 2030, 2035 uh, versus what could be the case if you are able to bring, you know, bring manufacturing back and, and find other additional content and jobs and so on? So, so give us the extremes. Sure. Uh, you know, I it's so hard to tell that right now. I, I just to answer your direct, you know, uh, question, uh, we're north of two, 200, 215,000 approximately, uh, you know, auto and auto related jobs right now. You know, the UAW is over 400,000 members uh, becoming more diverse every day. So it's not just auto. Um, I, I, yeah, I hate to dodge the question, but there's just so much that uh, could happen over the next 10, 20 years and, and so many different paths it could take. So many hurdles, frankly, that have to be, uh, you know, addressed, um, most notably the cost of the battery. Uh, so it's it's really hard to tell. And what we're going to try to do is just focus on 
uh, all of these risks that we're talking about, make sure that we're, our, we have a loud voice, we're bringing a worker perspective to you know, all these discussions, whether it's in DC or states around the country, uh, and you know, just hope for the, the best outcomes and be part of the solution. You know, I guess the saying uh, I've heard a lot since I started working here at the UAW is if you're not at the table, you're probably part of the menu. So that's that's what we're going to try to uh, make sure doesn't happen. But bottom line, it, it, unless I'm wrong, he's in here. Please go yeah. ahead. Sorry about that. Sorry, Jeff. The UAW had a 40-day strike at GM in 2019, um, and this issue of electric vehicle production, I know, is at least discussed. Are there any commitments though from General Motors or Ford or Fiat Chrysler Stellantis to to deal with this issue to protect UAW jobs as they need 30% less labor to produce the electric vehicles that Mary Barra has said will be the only thing they're making in a few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we, we have, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, there were, you know, there's billions of dollars that were committed back in 2019, uh, some of which were directly related to uh, EV uh, production and components, EV components. Um, uh, all I can say is that we have strong, you know, leadership at each of the three uh, companies on the on the union side, and I know that they're uh, constantly working with uh, the companies and and talking about ways to make sure that uh, you know that work comes into UAW facilities. Uh, so I think it's an ongoing, it's a hugely important um, you know issue, and I think it's an ongoing question. You know, not just during the bargaining back a few you know a couple years ago now or a year and a half ago now. But you made the, the excellent point about the battery, the largest component in an electric car, um, you know, and we're seeing differing strategies. GM is building a joint venture factory in Ohio to build batteries. Ford has said under Hackett that they were interested in going outside for batteries under Farley. He seems to be more open to bringing some of that in. We don't know anything about Stellantis yet. Um, what about the specific battery work? Because that seems to be an important part of the future for the UAW. No, I think that's a great point. You know, and geez, that's the biggest part of the value chain when it comes to, to the EV supply chain. And so, you know, for a long time, uh, it was pretty discouraging in that Tesla was the only domestic automaker that, you know, had the belief that they needed to uh, build a domestic strong supply base, whether it's in Nevada or coming up at their new, I think they're going to be doing it also at their new facility in Texas. So the, the, the news of GM's joint venture with LG Chem is definitely a welcome one. And, and you, like you said, there's, you're starting to see other uh, companies uh, hint at potentially doing that work here. And I think that that would be a huge start to uh, building a critical mass in, in the EV supply chain. There's other pieces to the supply chain as well, you know, going starting from extraction all the way through all the chemical processing and bunch of stuff I don't understand to, to be to be completely honest with you. I'm an accounting finance person. Uh, but, you know, the, the one thing that as we research all these different steps of the su supply chain, there's nothing inherent about most of that stuff that says that it has to be in China, you know, if the right conditions are created here in the U.S. All right, Jeff, but here, here's a question for you. Getting some of these jobs back, getting some of the work that is not may in some cases not exist or not be done in-house. 
in some cases, these things are being done by, if not minimum wage, low wage people. And the automakers are going to have to decide, well, is it worth bringing it back in at UAW wages uh, or going outside? And uh, uh, as you look forward, you just got rid of, largely got rid of the two-tier wage system. Is it possible you may face pressure going forward that to get some of these electrified jobs back, you may have to consider different wage structures in different segments of the EV market. Yeah, no, that's a fair, that's a fair point. And there's always pressure uh, there Mm -hmm. on wages. Uh, But frankly, you know, if these companies want to build this market, you know, and sell these EVs and make, you know, a huge commitment to selling EVs in the U.S., clearly they're going to be relying on some sorts of uh, subsidies from the U.S. government, whether it's on the, you know, the, the, the demand side uh, with consumer incentives uh, or the supply side and, you know, get taking grants and, and low interest rate loans to retool. And so along with that, there has to be a, a you know, a return for the U.S. taxpayer. And, and in our minds, one of the best returns for U.S. taxpayer is to create solid jobs. You know, let's make that a requirement Let's, you know, put the public funding together uh, to make sure that the jobs created, uh, if these companies want to go it alone and, and not rely on any uh, government assistance, you know, to, to get this market going, great. But if they are, they need to sign up to, to pay these higher wages and, and hopefully the, the subsidies, you know, and programs in place will help do that. But, you know, it's a fair point that there's always, especially with new technology, there's always uh, pressure uh, on on wages. And so that's why we'll continue to do what we do and what our, you know, leadership at the UAW does so well, which is, uh, you know, negotiate and, and fight back some of those pressures. And, and Jeff, I'm, I'm, uh, real quick, Keith, we're, uh, well, no, we're, we're down to the end. I'm sorry, we've run out of time here. Uh, we'll have to have Jeff back at another point because we got to talk about autonomous vehicles at some point as well, yeah. not just electric ones. Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. Keith, sorry to cut you off, but no thank problem. you for being on the show and Paul too. Thank you. Thanks. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.